0: To
1: remember, (laughs) (laughs) I believe in you too, in your power to remember,
2: (laughs) but I don't believe in my (laughs) power to remember. Welcome, everybody my name is april and i'm the bull
0: hi i'm vanessa i'm the badger i almost said bull (laughs) that would have been bad
2: and this is our podcast the bull and the badger where asian american culture and mental health intersect
0: that's correct hilarity and mouth sounds ensue very good i did it
2: you did it did it everybody mouth sounds
0: (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, we were doing other mouth sounds? Sorry.
2: I like how you choose a very slow
0: rhythm yeah. of mouth sounds. Well, I had to counteract, you know, like, just working counterpoint to you guys. Um, well, today, uh, besides mouth sounds, we are talking about burnout. And um, I guess it's not always like, oh, yeah, let's just um, let's cover this serious topic. Because usually they're a little more uh, general. But I think... This is going to be a good one because we're all going to experience this at one time or another. And one of my more mild examples is, <coughs> you know, after finals, when you just you just you're done, you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to just going to stop writing and fall over and, and sleep. But one thing that I would always do is I'd always watch Homestar Runner.
2: <laughs> Which, flashback yeah if you're you like are an old person
0: was <laughs> like still on a pc and <laughs> i don't know anyways uh it was like one of those things before the internet was a thing and i mean it was on the <laughs> internet but basically you know like this guy named strong bad who was a luchadorist, he would answer emails with his boxing gloves and it was pretty awesome and i always remember just like clicking on every single of the shorts to just just laugh and laugh (laughs) and laugh because that's all you can do after finals is literally like laugh sleep and eat and cry so it was
2: even like it was after finals like you could keep yourself away like while you were studying for finals
0: i could i yeah you just you just have to have self-control i mean i would probably sleep too much but just like (laughs) i had no self-control
2: i think like my second year i had three papers due i had not written and they were due the next day and yet at like twelve thirty in the morning i was watching conan or whatever time conan comes on yes. and because it was the end of the year i was defrosting my mini fridge's <laughs> like freezer like Sorry. little compartment you know <laughs> well and that like, was really important like, to yeah, do in the really, midst of finals yeah yeah it's fine it's fine like i can do it in six hours three papers no problem whatsoever i did it <laughs> no you didn't i did
0: Wait, now the world hates you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> First, I they think like, they were good, but. Oh. First, I was like commiserating. I was like, oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. And now I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> I just, I asked for the extension and didn't get it. You know? Thankfully, we didn't go to the same classes. So. But, um, I mean, we're here to talk about burnout. Um, also, because we have a guest today. Woo! Woo! Hello! Her name is Jenny Yang. Um, I met her through a friend and she already knows all my friends, so I'm not sure why we weren't already friends. Thanks a lot, other <laughs> mutual friends who didn't introduce Please us. Please
2: say friends more.
0: Wait, one more time. Friends of friends <laughs> forever. Okay. Anyway, so um a friends of friends forever. Um but yeah, so <laughs> met Jenny through a friend at Cafe Bene in K Town, which is a really happening place apparently. It's where all the cool up-and-coming asian peoples who are doing things k-town
2: in los angeles (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) christina wong also um you know centered in k-town so um jenny yang let me let me break it down really quickly and then you can quickly correct me after that and just be like we're not friends just say it sorry i went to like five different places i stopped all listening to Dang be it. Honest. <laughs> okay so, is there a podcast happening right now <laughs> or is there a recording what's happening <laughs> so um so jenny yang is a comedian um but uh also a youtube star a lot of buzzfeed videos i don't know about youtube star Ooh, but i just i was just googling you i did the google thing and then your name popped up but um let's see uh i've I've recently found out that you're um mit made in taiwan i am made in taiwan but (laughs) okay now this is the part where you take over and keep me from embarrassing myself further go (laughs) tell me tell me tell us about yourself a little bit oh
1: geez i feel like that's basically it thank you for having me by the way thank Thank you you for being here yeah i love i love talking into microphones in an intimate (laughs) way oh yeah you have a wonderful so um so yeah i I don't know i am a comic I, i write I produce stand-up comedy shows and storytelling shows around the country. I produce the first ever mostly female Asian-American stand-up comedy what? tour called disorientedcomedy.com. Check nice. it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, and so I t- sometimes I do videos for educational and informative and entertainment purposes.
0: Mostly informative. <laughs> Edutainment, everybody.
1: Yeah, I work with Buzzfeed a lot, um, and then, uh, I also, do, I also co-host, actually, a twice-monthly uh, YouTube talk show on the ISA TV channel that is, uh, was created by Wang Fu Productions and Far East Movement, the musical group. Uh, it is a talk show with AngryAsianMan.com, Phil Yu, called Sweet. Angry Asian America, and we talk about angry Asian American issues. So I'm a co-host of that uh, twice-monthly web show awesome yeah so it's been fun i've been really enjoying doing what i do now um you know on a full-time basis so it's good screw you day job (laughs) (laughs) burnout (laughs) good segue (laughs) (laughs) i
0: i i I too much it's it's okay we can break the internet multiple times it'll come back it's skynet it's like kim kardashian's ass boom
1: breaking the internet like kim kardashian's ass my voice
0: (laughs) my voice your lovely voice um uh tell me a little bit about disoriented and how um what it is basically yeah
1: so in uh, july of 2012 uh a few of us like a couple of us who never met, um, Yola Lu, based in Seattle. She had just graduated from University of Washington. I had a Google alert that said Asian American comedy. <laughs> and I found her. <laughs> nice. She was in some regional newspaper talking about doing stand-up comedy. I'm like, who is this Chinese girl you know, up in Seattle doing stand-up? And Holding so I it just, down. Yeah, I found her on Twitter. I messaged her. I was like, you're Asian American female and you do stand-up. I am too. Let's talk. And we had like a Skype date that's awesome and we just chatted and you'll be surprised I meet a lot of really cool people online because you know when I was growing up my, I did not have, can, I, can I curse yeah. yeah am I allowed to yeah when I was growing up I was not having the internet where I could find people like me so if you were a freak you had to just remain freaky either under into the closet or you gotta like fit in you know what I mean uh-huh. or, or whatever like or, or just be out and whatever and I was just I always knew I was kind of weird um, so now I can find like weirdo Asian American female state (laughs) of comics who are they
0: you know I like how we're like the word freaky like has this completely other connotation but to you it actually just means Asian American female I know funny girl totally
1: like that was like you know if you're kind of loud and opinionated and like to crack jokes you know so anyway, we found each other and we, we hit it off. And I just, this is a throwaway, like, goodbye thing to her. I was like, you know what would be really funny is, like, let's just start, like, an Asian-American female stand-up comedy tour <laughs> with all two of us, <laughs> you know? And just as a joke, but, you know, what happened was a few, a few weeks later, she wrote me and she was like, you know, Jenny, remember that whole thing you said? I think we should do it. Uh-huh. I was like, wow. And so, you know, I got freaked. I got scared because I'm like, oh, that's a lot of work. How many have
2: you been doing comedy up to that point?
1: So I had only been doing comedy maybe um, two years. Okay. So, you know, when we started in July of 2012, I was like, you know what? Actually, this might be a good idea. So she and I, we planned our first show together in Los Angeles. I held it down in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I recruited one other person, Atsuko Katsuka, someone I knew that I had met through the intro to stand-up comedy class i took uh-huh that was oh, a wow. women's class yeah there's
0: and she was classes like, oh. for this
1: yeah and there was you know it was all white girls and then her and i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank god i get along with her the only other
2: asian in the class you know and and you guys she saw each other she wasn't, like your nemesis right exactly <laughs>
0: oh yeah it's, it's either of those things you're like either allies or like enemies yeah <laughs> enemies for it's tough i know <laughs> that's how we started out so that's how we yeah oh the two of you yeah bull and
1: badger you know <laughs> Still not not natural friends, not natural friends, <laughs> the bull and the badger. No, you have to g- overcome a lot of things. <laughs> oh, totally. It's good. I'm all about, it. you know, cross-boundary, Yes. you know, relationships, anyway, yeah. cross-species, anyway. <laughs> um, we're not encouraging this. Um, but yeah, so we started Disoriented Comedy. We took a while to figure out the name. We kicked it off at the historic David Henry Huang Theater, home of yeah. East West Players in Little Tokyo. Um, It was the home of, it was actually a relocation center for the Japanese internment in Little Tokyo. There's a lot of historical reasons why we chose that space. It's also a hub of a lot of, you know, nonprofits that help to support Asian Americans in media and entertainment and storytelling. So um, it all meant everything wonderful. And we did it. It was sold out. And we've been doing, we've done about 28 shows around the country ever since, since 2012, July 2012. That sounds exhausting. Oh. You know, we'll talk about that oh. burnout and working, oh. but, um, but oh. yeah, no, I'm very proud of it. You know, um, I'm one of the main co-producers and, and, since then, um, we've had an additional co-producer to hop on, uh, named D-Lo. D-Lo is an amazing solo performer and writer and actor and musician, um, and uh, he, I've admired him for a long time as a solo theater performer. He's uh, Thomas Sri Lankan American from Sri Lancaster here in Southern California <laughs> um, and he is uh, is a transgender guy. And um, he really helps to sh- round out the mission of disoriented comedy, which at first you know the taglines like, oh yeah, it's only it's like only female quote unquote, Right, like Asian American stand-up comics, but in the end, um, what we the really the thrust of disoriented comedy is is let's provide a platform for people who aren't typically seen on mainstream comedy mm-hmm. club stages, right? And so, you know, for D'Lo to join in as a he, uh, as trans and as uh, brown, you know, means a lot because we believe that those are also things that need to be seen. So, yeah, so that's what that's what we do. That is what we do. Now that I'm a comic <laughs> and I've tried to stop my burnout. Sorry, that was uh
0: Another good segue. But we're just gonna keep talking about you.
1: <laughs> I, no, I sorry. I mean that's just so that's the deep that's the deep intro on disoriented comedy.
0: No, thank you. Yeah. Did you have a question? No. What
1: You guys are hosts. Come on.
2: (laughs) You're like staring at me as if I'm gonna say something. Oh man, say something
1: Can I just say that I want to acknowledge the presence of one little peanut in the room. (laughs) Peanut is is the dog and mascot of the Bull and the Badger. Hi,
2: Peanut. He looks a little sleepy. He's very licky and he's very naked right now. He is. He's undercover Peanut.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? Aren't you? Peanut is adorable. Like in costume.
1: Peanut has a honey golden brown coat.
2: Um, a very like a pinch.
1: Is this Schnauzer like single
0: kind of look? Ads for
1: dogs. I know. His he little uh,
2: furrowed for, furrowed for forehead. That's really hard to
0: say. A very thoughtful furrowed forehead. Furrowed, furrowed forehead. forehead.
2: The
1: rural juror. <laughs> the rural juror. That's the best <laughs> oh, joke. Juror.
0: Rural juror. Rural juror. <laughs> furrowed forehead. Thirty Rock references. I know. At least everybody got it, except for like the two listeners out there who didn't. Sorry oh we're gonna we're gonna bump up
1: the listenership on this podcast i mean who wouldn't want to listen to three asian american people talking about burnout and one of us is especially sexy it's
2: dollar signs it is and you know what i love i don't
1: know if people realize this but sexy
2: funny dollar signs totally
1: i don't know if people realize this but vanessa you have a lot of very you're very quick with the pop culture references i just noticed oh i'm i'm like Pew 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 pew. I know, which actually is a reference to. Um, She's
2: got three. She I, she just uses three she just uses and over and over three pop culture
1: references. Why do you tell my secrets? But that's what I love. You know, I love that you can talk about pop culture, but also about these serious things, and which is kind of basically why I, I do what I do now. You know,
0: nice.
1: Yeah, because like I used, to, I, you know, I used to work in politics, which is a nice little segue to my burnout story. Yes, but thank you. I know, right? But um, I used to work in politics in like. And, um, it was just always so serious and I loved it because I care about these things, right? Mm -hmm. I have passion. I'm a true believer. I care about social justice. Um, I also had the side of myself that was very not serious, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I just felt like there wasn't a real way for me to bridge that gap. And so for me now as a standup comic and as someone who can write, trying to create a platform for my voice and other voices, I feel like that's like, this is the arena for me to do that, you know? Um, so actually I used to work in politics and uh that's actually where my my burnout story comes from
0: okay
1: um and so we'll define burnout but for now yeah so I used to work in politics and I just was so serious and passionate and it was great right because I care about social justice and you know I want to like fix the world yeah but um but what I found increasingly was that I was just not happy at my job I worked for a labor union um and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh We'll get into that, but, um, but now that I get to do stand-up comedy and produce shows and talk to people and create a platform uh, for my voice and other voices, I feel like it's the right arena now for me to both do all the serious thinking and thoughts, but also be silly, right, and, and be free and expressive. And um, yeah, and so that's why I feel really so fortunate to be able to be doing what I do now, um, because trust me, you guys, it was not pretty when I was trying to transition. From politics
0: to what I do now. Um, no, I think tell us about that part because I think that's where people's confusion comes in in terms of um, like I'm burnt out. How do I get to the other side? Kind of thing. Oh yeah,
1: and my my burnout was real. And by the way, let's define burnout. You know Go what I mean? Thinking. Let's freaking do it, you guys. Oh Jenny, you take think the peanut? lead. Let's define burnout, Peanut. Okay, so I looked on. I just Googled it. Oh, And this is what helpguide.org, a trusted nonprofit resource. I don't know if it's trusted, you guys. If you have a tagline that says, I'm trusted, you probably shouldn't be trusted, (laughs) but whatever,
2: (laughs) okay. Suspicious.
1: But this sounds about right, okay, here we go. What is burnout? Burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed and unable to meet constant demands. As the stress continues, you begin to lose the interest or motivation that led you to take on a certain role in the first place. Ugh. Amen, sister. <laughs> or trusted I just amen myself. Amenhelpguide.org. <laughs> that is so real, you guys. So let me, let me break this down. It's because we didn't amen. She had to amen herself. <laughs> so I used to, I worked for the labor movement for a few, a number of years. Wow. And, um, I, and I worked mostly for this organization called the Service Employees International Union, wow. which I still believe is a very important and integral organization for American politics and to support the labor movement. There are a lot, a lot of problems like any large institution. And so I just wanted to like give that caveat because <laughs> um, I'm still friends with a lot of amazing people. Uh, I, but what happened was I actually started off being like a lobbyist slash researcher in policy for the the local that I was a part of. The local is kind of like the local chapter, mm-hmm, right, of mm-hmm. this larger organization. Re represented public uh, employees, so like government workers. Preachers. No, not yet? Okay. LA county, <laughs> workers, L.A. county workers, city workers, right, people who comb the beaches, people who help you in the county hospitals, um, janitors, everything. And so... I really cared about it because I cared about working families, like, you know, I come from a background where my mom was a garment worker, you know, even though my dad was like a, mid- a middle class professional working mm-hmm. for China Airlines, mm-hmm. um, which is, by the way, why we moved to America from Taiwan, um, my mom was a garment worker, and I think I really connected with the idea that, you know, those who typically don't have a voice need to have a voice, especially when it comes to feeding themselves and their right. loved ones, you know, and so... Um, yeah, man. I just I came from a true believer background. All of my friends, who were people of color, Asian American or not, they were all working in nonprofits, uh-huh. right, in organizations like right. labor unions and community organizations in the arts. And so um, that was the world I came from. And I think there's there's people who work in these kind of um, I, I would call the mission-driven organizations uh-huh. have a tendency to burn out. I'll just be honest. Like I don't know if my story is that unusual, actually because if people care, I call them true believers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up Christian, though I was around a lot of Christians, and I actually liken it to being evangelical, so I was around mm-hmm. evangelical political people. You're proselytizing, so to right? Totally, yeah. you believe in it, you're like basically living and dying by it, and mm-hmm. a lot of times people don't take care of themselves right. because you know they get paid shit, but they care so much About it, that they're willing to overwork themselves Mm -hmm. and not clock in and not get paid to do extra work. Mm -hmm. And that often happens. I don't know if any of you know of nonprofit folks, you know? Right, yeah. But that totally happens. And so that's the kind of environment that I think is just endemic in these type of mission-driven institutions, period, much less SEIU or the labor movement, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think um, that was a huge challenge for me just as like coming up as a young adult, right? Like you're just trying to figure yourself out. You're just trying to like have fun. You're trying to, you know, especially if you care about your politics, I was just trying to figure out a way to like make that a reality. How do I Mm -hmm. live it rather than just be something that I kind of studied or you know
0: you did in college. It. yeah yeah it so put into action
1: exactly how do i make a living and still you know do something and try to be a part of something bigger than myself and so um that's what i did man like yeah so i i've always been around do-gooders you know true believers people who are social workers like etc and um, for me personally, what ended up happening is I moved up in the organization I, in, in the last year at, at, at the local that I was at. I was a, a director uh, working on a very forward-thinking project, which is trying to change the culture of our labor union mm-hmm. at the time, you know, which is to be less short-term thinking, you know, mm-hmm. um, and more long-term thinking, which that is... sounds like a tremendous task. Huge! And I love the definition of burnout that we just read because it's all about this, like, you know, unending sense of stress and inability to actually fulfill the expectations <laughs> right and it was just this huge endeavor you know right. um i ended up you know spending nine months of that last year as a director putting together a strategic planning process for their our entire union of 85,000 members and 250 staff oh, in wow. about eight different offices throughout Southern California into the Nevada border. I oh mean, it was very a big task. I worked with about 30 um, member and and staff leaders over the course of nine months to come up with a three-day strategic planning uh Process My head hurts already. For a three-day strategic planning process that we held at the Riverside Convention Center for about 300 member and staff leaders, where we had minute-by-minute minute facilitated conversations and discussions to form a strategic planning document for how we're going to move forward as an organization. Like, I, that literally... was probably the fastest way i've ever described what i did for (laughs) those nine months and it was super stressful because it was also during a time at the union when it was very politically factious Mm -hmm. um, fractious Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, there was a lot of um, unsettled political sort of insider things happening Mm -hmm. Um, and and i was working with these top leaders and so I felt like, you know, if you're trying to do this long term, very strategic, stable planning process with, uh, uh, you know, with sands that are constantly shifting underneath you, it was crazy making you guys. And especially as someone who was like a long time overachiever workaholic. Right. Oh, yeah. I, and I cared so much, you know, I, I probably cared too much about my work in that I, that was so much the cornerstone of my self-esteem and how I valued myself mm-hmm. and all of that combined made for an unhappy Jenny, you guys. It was, you know, and within that context, I was constantly being questioned in terms of my ability Oof. to handle that with the work, mm-hmm. even though I pulled it off. Asian
0: American female. Looking like, back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking
1: back, you know, I'm like the young, you know, right. I'm like supervising and advising people who are twice my age, right. More than twice my age, you know? Um, and, and that's a whole other conversation about sort of a generational kind of turnover around our kind of institutions, but whatever. Um, but in the end, I quit my job, but this was after a prolonged period of being on workers' comp, and mm-hmm. I took medical leave because I was so stressed. I literally, there was, after we had finished that project, I was relieved, I was like, I'm actually very proud of what I was able to accomplish. But and I was starting to transition into other work and the implementation of that strategic plan, mm-hmm. um, and because there was so much shifting supervisorial stuff and whatever. I just totally decomp- like I just totally deflated, you know. After that huge push of work, right, right? for that three day process, um,
0: you just fell over.
1: Yeah, and it was just hard for me to get back into it, and and um, I think I've just was so overwhelmed with that pr- prolonged level of stress. Um, and lack of feeling, lack of being valued by you know the organization, um, while also you know that you know f- having such a high high value on that work as a part of my self esteem, yeah. that um, I, you know at that point I was seeing a, a therapist because we had a great um, uh, benefit program, but I was seeing a therapist regularly and I was seeing her more and more because it was so stressful, mm. and then at a certain point I told her I was like. I don't want to go back into work on Monday because I'm afraid that if I see someone, I will punch them out (gasps) because I got so disillusioned, so burnt out, so, you know, whatever, right? Uh I was just done. I was so done, you guys. Um, I was having panic attacks in the morning before going into work Uh prior to that moment where I had to call my supervisor and say, I'm going to punch someone if I come in. And Mm -hmm. she's like, take the week off. Mm I, um, I was having panic attacks in the morning. I didn't want to get up in the morning. Um, I just kind of took my time. I just couldn't get out the door mm-hmm. to get to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing some level of self-sabotage at work because mm-hmm. I was so frustrated and checked out. Right. Um, all these things happened. I Looking back on it, it was all the symptoms of burnout and depression.
2: Did it feel like like everything that had built up during the project – was finally sort of like taking its toll on you like you're finally allowing yourself to like feel the effects of it because we're kind of like it builds up yeah I think a lot of I don't know. Asian Americans are just like hardworking people in general. Like we kind of like ignore signs of of stress and st- signs of like being overworked that people would normally register as like okay, I, at this moment I need to slow down. Yeah, I need Whereas, a break. Like, yeah, people don't really read those signs and heed them. They just sort of like no, I'm going to push, push, push through. Push through exactly totally. I need to finish and reach my objective.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's what I was built for, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know that was a, that's my lifelong that's that's the foundation of who I was is just to like repress my own needs and emotions right. and just
0: accomplish what the task at hand mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. most of the examples in our lives that's what they did so yeah. why shouldn't we do it totally and we're not as good if we can't either
1: you know totally you know my parents we would not have survived our immigration process and you know, been able to have raised the three kids that my parents raised, if not for the way that they coped, perhaps, you know? Um, Maybe there were better ways for them to cope, but but definitely, you know, taking a break, checking in with yourself, checking in with each other, to process our emotions. (laughs) What the hell is that? (laughs) I had to learn that in adulthood, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Outside of the home.
0: Does not compute.
1: Totally, totally. Mm
2: I think one of the most healing moments was um, my mom came to visit me when I was living in Atlanta. And this is just me after a year and a half of kind of being silent to her and not being able to even talk to her or speak to her because I was dealing with so much. And I knew if I spoke to her, I would like pour out everything. And I just didn't want to. I wanted to like preserve my dignity around her or something.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa. You just heard an excerpt from my doc, The Launchpad a personal exploration of the silence and shame in Asian American culture. If you'd like to contribute your story or learn more about the doc, visit at the laundromat.com. That's A-T-T-H-E laundromat with an O dot com. Or visit our Facebook page for The Laundromat Documentary. Thanks.
1: Yeah, man, like I was all, I exhibited all those symptoms of overwork and and to the point where I wanted to punch someone out, and so I just told my supervisor, I was like, I need a break because I will punch someone out. She's like, take the week off. And during that week, I was crying a little mm-hmm. bit here and there, just, mm-hmm. just, just. What am I feeling? I don't know. It was just so overwhelming. Um, and then I talked to my my therapist. She's so great, Miss Shigeno. Um, she. Um, She was actually Japanese-American or HAPA or something. And she made me feel very comfortable and kind of, she was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've had therapists before where I felt like they didn't understand my cultural context or I felt like they were imposing some kind of projection around being about me being some kind of robotic asian-american right Uh you know what i mean and it just felt really unhealthy and unsafe and so with junko shigeno i'm just gonna say who my therapist name is (laughs) boom i love her junko what up (laughs) when i see you arriving around pasadena i try not to look at you but whatever (laughs) smooth but um but yeah like i she was really great at just listening to me and um and when i told her during that week i tried to get like an emergency meeting with her and she was just like yeah it just sounds like it's coming to a head um she's like what i can do is i can recommend um i think you're in a condition now bad enough condition Mm -hmm. that i can recommend you take medical leave Mm -hmm. because basically what i was telling her was i was having suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. just i wasn't i told her i was like I don't, I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. but I, I'm having these ne- really negative thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of like worthlessness and, and like just, it just the, all the depression talking, right. You know, oh, the spiraling. Yeah, down. yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, she helped me to see that that was a, a part of, from myself. And that was a part of what was, I was going through, but because I was going through those thoughts, she was like, that totally qualifies you to take medical leave. Like it's fine. You'll get workers' compensation you know, I sign a thing and you just, you know, when necessary, you just submit it to your HR or your whatever and you take the time off and you'll still get paid. I'm like, great. You know, the, she's like, the only catch is you have to do this outpatient therapy group. Mm-hmm. It's oh. basically it's basically the, the halfway house between regular individual therapy and being committed against your will. It's like <laughs> that halfway point. Right. So a couple, two, I forgot it was two or three times a week I was required to come in to um, to a, a group therapy setting, basically, mm-hmm. with a couple of therapists who ran it, um, and uh, yeah, it was scary kind of because it really felt like, wow, I am really in like a shitty place, you know, to like really own up to that. Right. Um, and I was surrounded by people who were really not in good places and like this is the the fucked up way that I thought right Right, because I'm so competitive and overachiever (laughs) I showed up and I like met everyone and I was like oh everyone's doing worse than me (laughs) yes
0: yes I have gauged everyone else in the room and they're definitely not as
2: good did you raise your hand first when you're like asked to talk about your feelings no <laughs> no. no no i, I mean don't. i I, totally... didn't. I didn't
1: because yeah. i was depressed yeah. so
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah
1: but i did have those thoughts of like yeah. oh i i feel like way healthier than this fucking colonopin <laughs> addict and this fucking you know
2: well when i i have had i've been to group therapy a number of times like at a few different times in my life and i always feel like my problems were so whiny yeah and insignificant totally. compared to other people's problems totally. like i don't know i don't want to like use a real examples but you know of people's uh, reasons that they were there but like you know really bad things oh, that yeah. like i would totally and then i'd be like well I just feel like, no, 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 you know, my stupid little problems (laughs) and everyone's probably like rolling their eyes at me. What may I ask what one of the problems you would uh, articulate would be? I think it was maybe like kind of feeling kind of transitioning like out of like the idea of what my idea of what my parents like, you know, um, expectations that they put on me and how like I wasn't meeting them and and and, you know, the consequences of that. Like yeah. And
1: I, and, and I think I think that's the thing. Right. That like specific to Asian-Americans, mm-hmm. we sound like assholes sometimes yeah. when we complain about our problems <laughs> right, because right. it's like, oh, your parents are like working really hard to pay, f- pay for you to have a roof over your head. And all they expect you to do is do well in school and get a good job. Oh, boo hoo to you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't wouldn't doesn't that just describe most of the Asian-American immigrant? you know yeah. kind of community right exactly children of you know what i mean children yeah. of immigrants mm-hmm. and and that sounds so basic and mm-hmm. so like that's not a big deal yeah. to like i think americans but i think in the context of our families of our sense of self right of right of our community of our cultural expectations it weighs differently
2: exactly you know
1: yeah. um and that shit is ingrained in a different way yeah. Oh, yeah. and so that's why like when i had other you know, and I and I had a therapist for the first time in college. This mm-hmm. like you know middle aged white lady. I'm sure she you know, shopped at Chicos. I don't know whatever.
0: <laughs> she does you
1: know she uses Eastern medicine in her spare times. Uh-huh. Spare oh, time. the acupressure. Of course, she was like kind of s- me, saying back to me. She's like, oh, you play volleyball is that your way of getting out your anger? Like, she just had these weird projections on top of me of like how I was and who I was rather than just being there to listen. Mm -hmm. And so what I loved about this therapy group actually in the end was, number one, it forced me to get out of my house because I was depressed and not really functioning in a normal way. Um, So that was part of it. But what I also understood from my therapist and from this group was that the thoughts we had about, oh, I feel so whiny compared to these other people's problems is actually a part of our depression right. or a part mm. of the problem. Yeah, That's a huge part of the problem, yeah. that we have these beliefs that create the, the the create the conditions through which by which we can become unhealthy, yeah. right? Yeah. As and mentally and well, we
2: have this like critical voice where like yes. every feeling, every personal feeling that we have, mm. or sign of weakness or anything, is immediately attacked. attacked. Yes. It's like an autoimmune yeah. like, system that oh. we have. Yeah. That's a great it's like, way to it. We're constantly we turning on everybody.
1: ourselves. Dude, that is like <laughs> if we were in Oprah.
0: <laughs> oh dear. It would
1: be an aha moment. <laughs> that's a that's a great oh my god i'm totally gonna use that because that's a great analogy it's like we have an overactive autoimmune system when it comes to our our mental health Mm -hmm. right Right. it's like we have allergies we're allergic to negative (laughs) thoughts or negative or weak thoughts sense of thoughts around
0: weakness right around ourselves but even the idea that your happiness and wanting it is a weakness that's really that's what do you mean no i mean like sometimes when we want to acknowledge our feelings or want to pursue our own happiness, we see it as a sign of weakness. Why? I I want to tell me explain more about that. I I think because because it's selfish. It's selfish.
1: Okay. So I get that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. 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 And, and those ideas of selfish thoughts or thinking of yourself, those become weakness and, the fact that we identify as a weakness, either being sad about something yep. or um just not or being in like not able to act or, yeah. or even feeling burnt out from something, that's a weakness. Yes. And then you tell yourself that and then you can't get past that. Yes. You can't get past week Exactly weak. And that shame yes. cycle begins. Totally. Right? Yeah.
1: You just described basically how I was feeling when I was burnt out. There was so much, I felt so much, I had to work through it. But the initial, deepest part was the sense of shame, of failure, of, um, oh, I should be stronger than this. Right. I wish I didn't feel so weak where right. I, I was, you know, had these thoughts about myself. I wish they didn't get to me like this, you know, the sense of victimhood. Right, you know, victimization. Exactly. Like, oh, I wish you know the people I was working with, you know, just just you know, acknowledged how great I was and didn't make me feel this way. You know, mm-hmm. I had nightmares too. That's the other thing that was happening. I had these really awful nightmares about my coworkers and my bosses. Oh. You know, and, and it was just you guys. It was horrible. Like this is like clearly my body was telling me that i was not in a good place (laughs) yeah it was like when i when i because i repressed it for so long it had to it built up so much that it had to hit me over the head yeah Uh you know and so during these few months that i did this um this group therapy i actually was slowly you know taking that break right getting giving myself a breathing room trying to take care of myself right Um, I had a boyfriend at the time where, you know, a big part of my growth was also like leaning on him Mm because I was not used to doing that in a very deep way. Mm -hmm. And that was the deepest that I was experiencing. And it was a challenge for me to feel like I could really, um, be present with how heavy it was that I was feeling in front of him and asking him to just witness that, you know? And so that was a big, you know, task for me to kind of grow from. And I did that, but... But as I was slowly taking the break, and like sleeping better, kind of like sleep was also a problem. So there's all these symptoms of depression that I was kind of working through. Um, I started to get these horrible hives—not like hives, but like this rash yeah. on the top of uh, on the tops of my legs, mm-hmm. on my thighs. Mm-hmm. I had this blanket of these little beady little rash. This blanket of rash. Mm-hmm. The black red, swan.
0: I don't know. Rash. It like,
1: <laughs> Just kidding. It was like it was like red and itchy and it lasted for a number of weeks wow like over a month Wow, and i remember telling my therapist about and she's like yeah that could be just your body detoxing from stress you know clearly my 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 nervous system and my lymph nodes were fucked up you know and i just i saw it as like i was detoxifying you know what i mean yeah i was trying to un undo all of this toxicity that was circulating in my body of like stress and everything
2: you know what happened similarly um was that I started losing my hair (gasps) like like at one a certain moment I I don't know if I could legitimately call it burnout but there was a time when I was super duper stressed I feel like I've mentioned it several times on the podcast already but it was sort of like at actually almost exactly a year ago when i was finishing up my grad program so i was like studying for the final comprehensive exam and working and having a troubled relationship on top of that Uh, and like one morning troubled relationships saturday morning i woke up and i'm a morning person like i like to get up i like to get out there like i'm very very not sleeping in the morning um but i couldn't get out of bed like, I just couldn't deal with the idea of wow. facing whatever it was that I had to face when I, the second that I like got out of the bed Ugh. and I just, it was so awful because I never feel that way, you know? Yeah. And so I called my sister and like, she was like, Hey, what's up? And I just, the first breath I took, I just bald yeah and bald and bald which yeah. i'm sure freaked her out because yeah. like i hadn't even told her what's happening like what awful thing was she imagining was going on you know totally but i kind of told her i was like i can't do this i can't do this anymore you know and she yep. she was like okay i'm buying you a, a train ticket leave all of your stuff at home like all of your you know work and stuff like that just come down here we'll cook we'll watch movies blah yep. blah And it was really good. It was really, really. sisters. (laughs) Sisters. But as I was waiting for the train, first of all, train stations are very difficult. You don't know which side to, okay, for me, It's Train stations are really (laughs) difficult. Yeah. And and all I had had. What's the right answer? (laughs) Exactly. I was on the wrong side. But, like, you can't just cross over, because you can't just cross, you know, the the train tracks. And so I had to run up, like, three flights of stairs, run across, run down, and I was so out of shape. That immediately started vomiting like on the like platform april. where all these people were around me oh my god but-
1: april but that was <laughs> but that's so poetic that that was where you were at right
2: but i looked cool because i had my sunglasses on oh like.
0: yeah it was really glamorous
2: so like i like threw up it's and then, totally like, glamorous wiped to be out of shape and depressed and then <laughs> wiped my face with my hand and then walk toward like the correct yeah.
0: platform. <laughs> dude was probably really gangster when you like why <laughs> 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 <Oof. laughs>
1: very Make cinematic that that's very cinematic
2: <laughs> very slapstick like wow <laughs> benny hill duh, duh,
1: duh, duh, like. yeah 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 <laughs> no, that's stressful train train stations are legit yeah. stressful yeah like on top of everything else especially right? exactly if you're already not in a good place train stations yeah. are the worst
2: yeah oh but i mean you know a year later i was uh recently like curling my hair and i saw this patch of hair and i'm like what's up with this <gasps> It grew back. It's Aww. like Yay, <laughs> it's like ten, in, like maybe it's six inches long or something. Like yeah, our body like is resilient.
0: Just kind of, and also it's trying to tell us things a lot of times. And if we right. don't listen to yeah. it, like you're like, yeah, it's like I go, I'll punch you in the face, yeah, <laughs> to get you to understand like what's going on here. Totally. So,
1: but, but I think that's the beautiful thing, though, right? That like your our bodies are self healing, and so if we give ourselves that space, I think.
0: I wanted to ask really quickly, we're probably going to have to um, wrap up soon. Oh wow, I know hour just flew I by. Know. Um, but you you talked about you talked about your, um, your story being a common one, but I'm wondering, is the fact that you're healthy and you're pursuing something that you love now uh, a common story within like the nonprofit world and for people who experience burnout.
1: No, I think, (laughs) I don't know, Um, I don't think it's as common for someone to go from politics to stand-up comedy, (laughs) you know? And so I remember when I first started to perform stand-up and I would tell people my story about how, you know, I basically burnt out at work and now I do this, among other things, Um, so many people, especially if it was in Asian American spaces, would come up to me afterwards and just strangers or acquaintances, you know, even friends would Mm -hmm. just talk to me like they're in some kind of Catholic confessional, (laughs) right? you know, and just be like, Oh my gosh, how did you do it? I hate my job. I hate what I'm doing. I feel so locked down. Um, I want to, I want to do more creative things. I had so many people come up to me saying any variation on that. And they're mostly Asian American in these spaces, you know, and they felt, you know, I felt slightly flattered, I guess, because they're like, they felt inspired by my story. But I also felt so sad, because it means that like, you know, so many of us are silently suffering, you know, these, these, these prisons that we feel like we're in, Mm -hmm. uh, of like trying to just make a make do or make a living. And, you know, I have to say, I know that like, I have a certain level of choice and privilege in that I was able to transition into what I do now you know there are certain things that I set myself up with before I quit my job Mm -hmm. to make sure I had low overhead and I can make ends meet Mm -hmm. you know I've picked up other jobs since I had quit so but you know yeah and and I just think like so many people feel trapped and that's such a horrible feeling so that's the thing with with this is like you know not everyone has to do a 180 like I did and like Everyone become a stand-up comic. Everyone be a free-loving artist. No, that's not realistic for everyone, and that's not going to fit for everyone. But I think what we don't realize is that it doesn't have to be either or. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think that's actually a belief around how to live your life that's very self-defeating when we think that it has to be black and white like that. You know, In fact, if you have creative longings, if you want to live a life that's probably more... um, more than one, one that you want mm-hmm. it can be done incrementally it can right. be done 30 percent of your life and mm-hmm. it could still be great you know right. it, it, if you just want to carve out a, a little time a little point you know a little sort of time chunk of your week to painting or writing or what have you that can still happen and you can still go and do your day job and you know pay your bills and right. enjoy earthly comforts you know right, yeah
0: earthly comforts like
1: what you know like eating out Good Chinese food. Yes, <laughs> having okay. a Boiling monthly, point. having a monthly Hulu or Netflix subscription, whatever you know, like that's okay. And it's not that you're not being fully creative, nor are you, um, you know, selling out to the man. You're there is a gray area, right? And that's okay, and that's great. And so I think if we kind of take away this belief that it's all or nothing, that it's actually really helpful, is what I find. Right. And so that's usually what I tell a lot of people is um, we have to learn, especially after we leave school, to redefine success for ourselves. Because mm-hmm. it's not like there's a clear rubric where we get score points and we know exactly where we stand in life. We have to
0: figure it out. Or else we don't want to engage in that rubric anymore. You know, we don't want to measure our lives No. that way. You know, totally. we don't want to go to a group therapy and go... <laughs> And go, I'm healthier than everyone Everyone here. My list of problems is shorter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that's what um, a lot of Asians, Asian Americans feel like they have to be these good Asians, you know. I don't know at what point we all decided that that needed to be the thing. Um, you know, maybe because of the kind of like conversations our immigrant parents have with other people in the community and what's expected and like what's considered bragging points for what you're supposed to be. Um, I think at some point, you know, it's like in a weird way, I fulfilled those expectations so that I could be like, check, check, check. Now I can do whatever I want. Right. Like you guys can't say shit. You know, <laughs> I got straight A's. I went to good schools. You know, I got a good job. I got my I bought my own house. This is what's happening.
2: So do they support you? Like
1: how they, they do that? in a way in a way they do. But I've always been very independent, you uh-huh. know, So I think it's been most of my life of them getting used to the fact that I was very independent and I thought for myself. (laughs) Yeah. So So you're acclimating them already, slowly. Gotcha. You know, I think it also it was already an adjustment for them to see that I was so active in school and politics and what have you. Um, But but they knew that I did well in school, so I think they just didn't have to worry, which was great, you know. And so that's another thing, you know. I'm not going to get disowned because I've already been so independent. Um, and so it was already a foregone conclusion that I was going to do whatever the fuck I wanted, right? Right. <laughs> um, Boom. You know, they, but they still, my, of course my mom and dad will still say like, oh, if you get like a real job, it'll it'll make us feel better. It's like, mom, no matter what, like I'm not going to starve. Like I need you to understand that, right. that. Like I'm in a position where people will still pay me to do things. Right. Um, whether or not it's in comedy. But right now, thankfully, I'm making a living. It's like, well, you need to save money. I was like, well, I'm working on that, you yeah. know? Mm. But, um, But yeah, it's been, it's been great, you know, and my mom, I think the turning point for her was at first she was like, stand up comedy, don't you tell, isn't that where people tell dirty jokes and really like bar in bars that are dirty and like bad people go to those places? (laughs) I'm like, no mom. Villains. I'm like, no mom. Yes, sometimes, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't say that to her, but you know, I was like, you've never been to a bar mom. So I don't think you're just totally making this up. Um, yeah so i just but she's come around because the last time she came back from taiwan she actually bought me a couple of shirts that were like black and shiny (laughs) and she's like this is very good for the stage i'm like okay mom
2: that's very cute it's very
1: cute i've never worn what she bought me on stage Black and shiny (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally i was like that's so sweet i know it really made it, it, it it was very touching but
0: a way of supporting you, that's really cool. I know, <laughs> dude. Oh, really quickly, just to bring it all back together, um, what are some tips to combat burnout, April? Oh. Doesn't we have more than
2: one? Yeah, get on the Google, please. Jenny. I'm gonna go back on the Google. I know what
1: I did for personally was um, therapy helped, and I know that not everyone can get therapy. But I think what really helped me was um, learning about cognitive therapy. So if you just – there's so much information out there online even. If you're like, okay, if I'm talking to you right now and you're super alone and you have like a horrible home situation where you feel like you just can't breathe, um, at the very least you have the Google. Google cognitive therapy and just learn about ways of kind of like short-circuiting the negative thoughts and critical right. thoughts that you have with with yourself. I think that's such a great start. There's right. like actual – like. Tools, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. That we can actually learn. The other thing is just journaling helps. If you if there's not someone you can trust who you can kind of unburden your feelings toward, right? That helps. Also, just sleeping well. That's I can't. You can't emphasize enough
2: taking care of yourself by sleeping and eating well and working exercising, out. yeah. I um, think um. Oh, go ahead. I mean, the whole like autoimmune response thing that that we talked about earlier. I've talked about the phenomenon with a lot of different people and it's we sort of like use different analogies here and there but i think one of the best ones um came about like a few months ago when my friend was like well you're kind of like john nash in a beautiful mind where you have all of these imagined things around you that you believe are real mm. like paul Bettany and <laughs> the other guy you know and like like you have these negative thoughts but and they'll always be there because they were very like early on like just like embedded in your your psyche you know and so they'll never go away you'll never get rid of them but the trick is to learn to ignore them yeah so whenever your your mind starts to attack you by calling you lazy or weak or whatever don't see it as your own thought but understand it as like this sort of like Floating like Paul Bettany or whatever. That's voice. Just, just, yeah, yeah. Just, it's not you. It's yeah. not actually you.
1: Yeah. It's the depression or the perfectionism talking. Right. Yeah, right. And so, I'm, like, I'm gonna...
2: to to see the you know to to make the distinction between who you are and this sort of like inborn negative critical voice, it's 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 very important.
0: Yeah, just kind of see him as the albino in you know Da Vinci Code, Paul Bettany. <laughs> Dang! Shout out to albinos. We rep- we respect
1: you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Not like, like What is Vanessa getting into? Yeah. Right oh now?
1: man. Well, back to the helpguide.org. Um, some <laughs> <Yes>. of <the laughs> our new trusted guide. Some of some of the causes of burnout include work-related causes, lifestyle causes, or you know what it says: personality traits can contribute to burnout. So my personality trait is prone to burnout. And so and I've known this. And so like under personality traits can contribute to burnout. Perfectionistic tendencies, nothing is ever good enough, pessimistic view of yourself and the world, the need to be in control, reluctance to delegate to others, high achieving type A personality. So that describes most of my Asian American friends. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, but that just personality-wise makes you prone, I think. And yeah. so, I just I think it's been a long, lifelong practice to kind of figure out how to counteract that. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's gonna be lifelong building those lifelong habits, and just to call back to our previous podcasts on flow. You know, finding something that makes you happy and engaging in that in a regular basis, whether it's creative or whether it's just cleaning your room. I mean, obviously sometimes break. I'll
2: take a day off. I'll take a spin class and go to soup plantation after. And yes,
0: yeah, you Plantation. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, laughs> <High> plantation.
2: <laughs> uh huh. I,
1: That's I my love jam Sue
0: plantation, but I just went to high five. Okay. <laughs> That's my happy place.
2: It is It's the best. Okay. Boeing Point and Sioux plantation. Yeah. Okay.
0: And now moon house where? Chinese food on the west side everybody oh, heads yeah. up Boon house
1: I know you're welcome. finally something pretty good right? yeah deece on the west side deece <laughs> pretty deece
2: pretty D dee C F. oh
1: my god you're so millennial <laughs> that in fact you have to shorten decent
0: I know I'm crying to my hand right now hot Asian shameful tears well Jenny thank you so much um, I really appreciate you coming in oh, and telling your story you. I think it's Sometimes when you have to retell that story a lot because that's my documentary, it's hard. It's like absolutely like sometimes you relive it and you're like, oh, and you're like, it was horrible. I'm over it. But, you know, like for me, I tell people, you know, depression's a chronic disease that you have to deal with that like on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And so thank you for coming out and sharing all about. Oh, that. no problem. And April, any last words before we sign off?
2: no not at all but uh i just want to reiterate vanessa's words you're very cool oh you guys are cool we just meet cool people by doing this podcast i know and well, it's a selfish endeavor like, I, like, I hope i didn't creep you up i just been like oh staring at
1: you. april's <laughs> oh, eyes are cool very big this.
0: right now
2: well
0: i mean you want to plug disoriented like do you have any shows coming up
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know when this is going to come out, but uh, we are uh, we have monthly shows in Los Angeles. Every fourth Thursday, we have a new storytelling series called Family Reunion. At some point, y'all are going to be on it. Trust. <laughs> oh, no. Yay. Yeah, it's a great way for non-stand-up comics to be a part of our community that we're building. Um, and then throughout the country, I mean, by the time this comes out, you might have missed um, our January 2015 I know, at, the, at that point, once this comes out, Margaret Cho would have been our surprise headliner in oh San Diego. So uh, y'all can show up.
0: That was me hitting <laughs> my head on the mic, I know. by the way. In
1: February, we're going to be in Fresno. And then um, we have a huge tour that we're planning for the South, Texas, and New Orleans, as well as the Midwest for the spring. So.
0: Go. Preach the word,
1: sister. I know. Just trying to get the voices out there.
0: The, the, the prophet voices of comedy damn
2: profit as in pro if any of you were wondering it is sunday today <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm in the mode
0: no but like take us to real. church bringing it in. you all brought it today thank you thank you so um maybe one day we'll have you back
1: hmm? i would is. love it thank you so
0: much thank you badger and bull <laughs> i don't i did not know what to do i i forget where like how you end. it's a podcast so i saluted her nobody can see that <laughs> wow
2: maybe next time just say salute <laughs> Yeah,
0: salute your shorts that's it
2: thank you all right thank you jenny
0: go You guys, boom, boom, boom. <coughs> Wait, can we sing? Do you, boom, you do like it. What's that song, boom, clap?
2: Boom,
1: clap, boom, clap, me good come My on anthem. to me. Come on to me.
0: Nice. I, I couldn't even sing it with you because I don't know the lyrics. So I'm like, huh, huh, huh,